like green light, green light. That's a payday. Come up on a lick. That's a payday. Come across a brick. That's a payday. Papa getting rich. That's a payday. That's a payday. Okay, so now we are in our third installment of our session on the Payday Podcast where we talked to a CPA and a bookkeeper. And I like to bring somebody from my own team on for the third episode to kind of wrap this up. So today I have the best payroll tax person, <laughs> probably in the entire United States of America. <laughs> um, Don is our tax manager at Payroll Partners. And I had worked at some other smaller payroll companies and gotten to know some other tax folks. And they were, they were, they were good, they were fine. But what differentiates Dawn to those other folks is her obsession with efficiency, something, a trait that I have as well. And it makes her very easily able to change to make our company better when it comes to all things taxes. And my experience with other folks is they get hooked on a process and then they never want to change off it. And our ability to constantly get more efficient at payroll partners, whether it's if we're building an integration to Campbell County in Kentucky or to Rita, or we're doing a whole new child support situation to do our garnishments. Don is always on top of it, figuring out the best and most efficient way for us to do that. And so, Don, my question for you is, where do you think that comes from? Where, where did you, this desire to be efficient and, and do things efficiently, where did you first start learning that about yourself? Well, first of all, I can't take full credit because I have a team behind me um, that does my back office That's work from tax to garnishments to electronic um, ACH activity. And so I pretty much deal with once your payroll is done, then it falls to my team to cover everything else. So we get all their employees paid, we get all their taxes paid and filed, we get all their garnishments paid. And so I have a great team behind me. So I appreciate the best in the world or nation, whatever you said, um, <laughs> but, I, but I couldn't do it without my team. So Liam, Sheila, Danielle, Debbie, shout out to you. Um, but I think the efficiency comes from, I've been in this industry for a long time from both not just payroll, but accounting as well. Yeah. I started out working at a bank. So I saw all the banking activity and how antiquated that system was where, you know, people were walking in, they were filling out their little savings book by hand. And then, oh my gosh, we went electronic and you could print that savings book, your deposit. And I watched that go through. Um, that was my first exposure to payroll was at that bank. I did the internal payroll for our 30 man banking operation. And then I moved into when it, you know, got some education and went to a CPA firm. And at the CPA firm, we did a lot of tax filings. And I remember that we would have to bring the boss's kids in to process all of that paperwork that had to be mailed to the IRS and the states <laughs> and the local agencies, if you're in Ohio, to, to file their tax returns for individuals. Individual people, they go to work, they get a W-2, they come to us. And then we ask for all that extra information. All of that was more paper. We would make copies of that paper. Then we would give them paper copies and checks they had to mail. And I watched that from industry change from an individual and corporate tax filing from paper to electronic. Eventually they went to mandatory electronic if you were a CPA firm in a lot of cases. And then I found my niche in payroll. Um, I worked for a company <clears throat> that was based out of Jacksonville and we primarily uh, processed payroll for international health insurance agencies 
Okay. Um, but we did their United States payroll because even though they were an internationally based company, United States payroll can be challenging from the Fed, state, and local processing. And so we had a specialized division in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and that's really where I found my passion for payroll. Um, what I saw there still was inefficiencies. We were using one software to process payroll. Then we had to import it into another payroll set for tax. We were still doing paper filings and it was all hands on deck. And we took over every conference room in the building to just sort, separate and spread that paper. And then you put things in the mail. And while the U.S. Post Office does a great job, typically things get lost. Yeah. And then it hits an IRS warehouse where there are 150 million other returns sitting there waiting to be processed and they get lost in the mail. So part of that efficiency is let's remove the paper. And we've done that in the several years since I've been with payroll partners in that everything that we can currently file electronically, even if we're not required to, we do. Because we have such a large base here in Northern Kentucky, I've actually talked to the folks out at Boone County when they were getting ready to try to go online. We are uh, talking with Kenton County, who is also in the process of going online, um, met with them both and have shown them some of the other uh, Kentucky agencies that are already online, gone through a couple different um, agencies in Ohio that have a great simplified process to file online. And I think they've taken bits and pieces of that. Boone County is now fully online. We file all of our returns with Boone County electronically. So you're, you're not just affecting payroll partners. You're helping municipalities all across Correct. northern Kentucky and even southwest Ohio. Correct. They, they call and ask us for information. And I think that's because while we're not big and I only process maybe 400 to 600 returns in Boone County, I answered the phone. Yep. That's <laughs> I answered the phone. I was willing to chat with their engineers, their technology people. I uh, went to Kenton County's offices and met with their judge executive to have these conversations about what would be the best way to go, giving them some options. I didn't say this is exactly what you need to do because I don't know what their other technology needs are. But yes, we, we do get calls. Um, we have a few other agencies that we have on speed dial. When we call them, they stop and help us get account numbers for our clients. They don't do that for everybody. But they do it for us because when they have an issue, they know that they could pick up the phone and call me or one of my team members and we'll get the issue cleared up without any any hesitation. Because at the end of the day, compliance is where it is for our clients. So I like to throw this stat I learned out and you're a great person to bring this up on. I always tell everybody who d doesn't really understand payroll across the country that, you know, I think it's like around 85% of all municipalities, this would be villages, townships, school districts that charge an income tax with a tax filing requirement that 85% of the entire municipalities in the country that do that are in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania. So this is like the hotbed of complicated tax filing payroll in the entire United States. <clears throat> and, you know, one of our biggest differentiators, payroll partners, you know, we do have good software, but like good HR software that's tied to payroll, that's getting to be more of a commodity now. You know, our biggest differentiator, Don, is you and your team, because like you said, you know, this is all still very complicated. And, you know, there's certain municipalities like I think like the village of Marymount, no offense to them, you still have to file with them every month through a fax machine. You know, they're, they're not tied into some of the more efficient things out there. And, you know, now... 
people are coming to us asking, what should we be doing different as a municipality? So I think it's really cool, the evolution of local taxes, and you're all over this in, in your role as our tax manager. I did want to ask you, though, of those states, which one is the worst, in your opinion, and why? So you mentioned Kentucky, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. I, I would have to say Pennsylvania because they have different requirements than the other two from a live-in, work-in, reciprocity, yeah. and especially now since COVID or even before then with the remote work. So it can be challenging to figure out what taxes you need to be withholding from an employee um, that are mandated and then what becomes what we call a courtesy tax. It's like, well, even though we're not required to withhold where you live, we can make up the difference so that you as an individual employee don't have to file an additional tax return and owe money. You'll still have to file that return where you live, but you don't owe money. Ohio has the same type of issues. They just don't have as many municipalities as Pennsylvania. And in Ohio, the individual employees file their individual returns, but it really is more of a work-in-based first-line tax. And then where you live, we can also do the courtesy withhold additional taxes so you don't owe as much at the end of the year. Kentucky is completely different. As individuals in Kentucky, because that's where I live, thankfully, we don't file individual tax returns with our local agencies. It is truly a work-in, employer-based withholding. And, and that can be a challenge for the employer, especially when you have remote, to know what those cities and counties are required to withhold in the rates. And, and the rates can change quite frequently. We recently had a county that changed their rate at their April first April board meeting, and it was effective May 1st. No one with a large payroll engine like we have, and we're a small payroll engine, can get those changes made that quickly. We, it's just, it, it's an engineering issue. Um, individual employers probably didn't even open the mail until three months later, so they didn't even know they should have been withholding more money. Yep. And so, you know, again, we got on the phone and I called the agency and I said, look, you're giving us three weeks to make a programming change to add a tax that I don't have in my system. And it's going to take a while. We're like, oh, as long as you get it to us by the end of July with that quarterly return, we'll be OK. All right. So then we called our companies that have this small county in Kentucky. And it's like, <clears throat> we're going to do this so that your employees aren't hit with a large withholding. We're just going to take a little bit out of each check that we think they're going to need. And then we're going to fix everything by the end of June, which is what I have to go back to the office today and do. But um, again, that connection to those agencies, but being aware of those changes in taxes, I think, is what maybe differentiates us. Because I don't just see the law, but then I look at our client list and I contact those clients. And I think they appreciate that. So we're constantly helping. Like we, we are a UKG ready licensee. So we're, you know, there's other regional small payroll companies that use the same payroll and HR software that we use. Um, they probably have clients all over the country who may have employees in Kentucky, Ohio, especially. So we are the ones telling UKG, though, when to update all those rates a lot of times. And we're probably helping the rest of our entire payroll network who uses UKG to get their taxes done correct too. We, there's probably, we should probably get a, get paid by all the other uh, payroll companies who use our software, but um, that's, but that's our differentiator. We, we really focus on this whole concept of, of payroll taxes 
Um, I think it's extremely interesting. I think it's also a hotbed topic that I'm surprised more isn't more politicized. I think it is becoming a little bit more. There were a lot of articles being written about work in taxes, like we pay taxes where we work, but we don't get to elect officials where we work. It's kind of like an old saying in America, taxation without representation. So I don't know if that's something that'll ever change. I just find it interesting that it's not a, a bigger deal. Um, you know, but we we that's our role. We are the role to make sure the employees of your business's taxes are, are, are done properly. You know, we're also a big player in making sure they're paid now. So you're you're you have a dual role. You do you, taxes is probably most of your time, but you also supervise. We, we kind of have a separate banking team now at Payroll Partners as we've grown. So you're also dealing with all the direct deposits, all the moving of the money to make sure it gets to people correctly. Um, a lot of times there's mistakes with that, right? People, you know, write a seven that looks like a one on their direct deposit form and it gets input wrong and they don't get paid. Um, so tell us about the payroll partner process if we find out that somebody didn't get paid. So we have with our banking partner, Heritage Bank, um, we process all of our ACH direct deposits to our employees through them and everything goes out to the Fed Reserve. And then it goes out and reaches out to the different banks to put the money in our employees' accounts. If there's an error with a bank account number, either they have a bad routing number, like you mentioned, a seven instead of a one, or they input it wrong, they didn't send us a copy of a voided check, they just wrote it down. What happens there is our bank comes back and says, we tried to pay this employee. We're really sorry, but we couldn't. Here's the money back. Figure out what to do with it. We are immediately on those emails every morning, and we email our clients, and we say, John Smith's direct deposit rejected. He's not been paid. Get us new account information. Or if you want to write him a check so he has information, he has his money today, then we'll give it back to you. You write him a check. So or, we're, 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 we're proactive. Yes, very we're, much so. We're, we're sometimes and, knowing and, before the employee even knows. Yes. We're on typically, it. we if they process a check date on Friday, we typically know by Wednesday, if not sooner, that that employee's check or deposit rejected and and we are on them um we we maintain that list we're checking in every day or two if we haven't heard back oh yeah it was a seven instead of a one or oh he closed that account and he opened a new one here's his new information and we immediately push that money to that employee we try very hard to never let anybody go a week without their paycheck so i can my claim to fame i've been at payroll partners over a couple years i try so hard i've only out of the couple hundred payrolls i've signed i've signed up I think there was two that had live checks. So I want to go backwards to when Dawn had her first live paycheck. What job did you have? What was your first payroll job? And is there anything you learned in that job that you still use today? Yes. I was 16 and a half. I just got my driver's license and got a job at Po Folks Restaurant. Po Man. Po Folks Restaurant. So I was a server and I made... A dollar and 75 cents an hour, so that might date me a little bit from a minimum wage perspective, plus my tips. And I got my first paycheck, and it was a dollar and 12 cents. I threw it away. <laughs> it was a dollar and 12 cents. It was going to take me more in gas to go to the bank on a Saturday on my day off. Uh, what I learned then was I don't want to be in the service industry. I don't want to be in the restaurant you, industry. You made some accounting person angry by not cashing that check. That <laughs> was a dollar. I'm sure I did. books weren't balancing I'm, I'm because sure of you. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. <laughs> you know that but, now, now. But it's interesting because now I roll that out into what I see in payroll partners because we do have a lot of folks in the hospitality industry 
restaurants and, and, and servers. And I see those 50 cent checks and those dollar and 12 cent checks. And I understand why they're not cashing them or why they hold on to them for three months and go cash all of them that totaled 18 bucks. I get it. Yep. So those are clients that we're actually trying to proactively get them to either move to pay cards or move to direct deposit just so because yeah. they all get their they get cash out tips. They don't get paid yes. typically through payroll. They get cashed out at the end of the night. So those paychecks are really just to facilitate paying some taxes for them with their minimum wage rates. Yep. So I, I understand why we have we're sitting on the number of outstanding checks for less than ten dollars. Um, and but again, we proactively are reaching out to those clients saying, hey, can you tell John Smith to go out and cash his 14 checks from the last week, last, so, last 14 weeks? So uh, I don't want him to have I don't want to have to send the money into the state. Yep, exactly. And you helped me on a hospitality client once. You probably know this off the top of your head. So what tax gets paid first? Out of all the taxes locally, what's the order? You probably know this for hospitality because there may not always be enough money on the the wage to pay all the taxes due for a tipped employee. So what's the order? Local taxes get paid first. Local because first. there's no exemption to be able to short pay from a tipped perspective. Gotcha. Then we go to the FICA and Medicare. Social Security and Medicare. Social Security and Medicare. Um, there are options to be able to short pay those with the IRS, but the employee ultimately has to make that up when they file their individual tax returns. It's, yep. it's basically uncollected, uncollected That's tax next. on tips. And then, then we then we go to federal and state. Then we go to federal and state, and they could owe money on their federal yes. income tax or their state income tax. But yes. that's the order. Usually there's enough in those minimum wage hourly amounts to cover the first two taxes. But a lot of times, if you're a full-time server, <laughs> getting a lot of credit card tips, claiming a lot of income, you're probably going to owe. And I, you know, I had to go down the rabbit hole to help explain this to a new entrepreneur who bought a uh, or started a, a restaurant franchise for the first time and um, you know, had to kind of explain to them because they just didn't understand how tip taxes work with tips mm -hmm. and it is a little complicated and there's a lot of people I worked in the hospitality industry as well and nobody understood any of it as far as like the managers, the bartenders, the servers, you know, it, it, it's, it's super complicated. And, you know, I think a lot of our hospitality clients love that these issues come up with employees that are so hard to get. That is their, their most valuable resource. They can just call us and get you on the phone and get an answer to their question. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about would be, I talk a lot about football, okay? So I have always felt like in payroll, what we do is a lot like the position I played um, on the offensive line. Um, you had a different take though. You felt like in the tax part of payroll, we're a lot more like the defensive line. Explain to me what you mean by that. All right, so I think we're on a defensive position from two areas. Um, the first one, obviously, with tax payments is that I'm the buffer between the clients and the tax agencies mm -hmm. because I'm the one filing those taxes. I'm the one making those payments. And if there's a problem, either that we didn't do something quite right or the agency lost it or misapplied it, put it in a different period, put in numbers wrong, our clients pay us to make sure that doesn't happen. And when it does happen, they've already paid us to fix it. So from a decent defensive position, I'm protecting that client yep. from penalties and interest and non-filing issues. Uh, we recently pulled in a nonprofit client, came to us brand new last year, 
and they had prior tax issues um, and they had managed payroll in-house and they really didn't have anybody who could help fix the issue. So we fixed it for them. We didn't process their payroll during that period, but it was essentially going to make them lose their nonprofit status. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we, we helped them fix an issue from years before we processed that kept their non-status profit or non-profit status active um, because we can, not because we should, not because we have to, but because we can. And Don, your expertise goes well above just the local taxes. You helped me with one of my bigger clients I brought on. They had a three-year-old tax issue. Basically, it was all, it was all, it was kind of federal and state related. Um, they acquired a company and then the uh, Fed audit got triggered from their FUDA at the same time that they uh, didn't roll the state over yet. And then it created all these issues with FUDA due to it being a, a, an acquisition and a new EIN. So it was an easy, it was kind of an easy fix to understand, but the biggest payroll company in the world who was doing, who was working on that for that client couldn't resolve it in two years. I, I don't know if it was a couldn't or wouldn't. So the second thing on the defensive side is that we're the defense between our clients and their employees. Um, our, our payroll processing team is making sure that they're being paid for the right hours. Um, my team is helping to make sure that they're being taxed correctly, that they don't have issues. But when an employee has an issue, um, their W-2, they think it's not correct because they don't understand the difference between taxation with pre-tax benefits and post-tax benefits. And why is my federal wage different from my Medicare wage, from my state wage to my... We help explain that to our clients. We don't explain it necessarily to the employee because we want the clients to understand that as well, because they might get the same question from four employees. But if I've explained that to the client... I've given them a defensive mechanism from that employee who's walking in going, my wages are not right. My W-2 is wrong. We've given them that answer to, to help them with that employee. But now they have the answer to help the rest of their employees. In some instances, we've had a client help us write an email that they want to send out to their team when they've added a new 401k. This is how it's going to affect your paycheck. We help them write that email so that it clearly explains what they might see, how what the differences are going to be, and then the employee's options to opt in or opt out or increase their rates. So again, we're a defense between our clients and tax agencies, but we're playing defense between our clients and their employees to help them better understand and be able to explain it internally. All this talk about defense is kind of getting me excited because even though I played offensive line, the most fun part of playing football as a big guy was playing defensive line. And I think if you are worried that the government municipality, you get that tax notice and it makes you feel like, man, I feel like I'm a, I'm a going against, you know, Joe Burrow or Ann Rogers or a great quarterback. And I just need somebody to sack that notice. Then they need to call Don and I at payroll partners. We will not only be an offensive HR solution, but we will be that defensive tax solution that business needs with payroll. Thanks Don for joining me today. Thank you.